Welcome to the Vineyard Altoona podcast. If you have any questions or just want more information, you can visit our website at vineyardaltuna.org or any of our social media platforms at Vineyard Altoona. And now, here's Derek with the message. What were you all doing one year ago today? Everybody's like, oh, one year ago. One year ago today, some of you don't really, you know, it's a normal July day. It's a pretty nice day, not many clouds in the sky, and, you know, it's probably pretty warm. Uh, Some of you remember that one year ago today, we moved here. Maybe. It's a PC, I think. There we go. One year ago today, we moved into this building. Some of you are like, really? The vast majority of you statistically weren't here for that. Um, But there's a a large crew of people. We moved all of this stuff into this building, um, and uh, we ate lovely pizza. I'm pretty sure there's a half half full bottle of Sprite somewhere in this building from that day. Uh, That remains. It's probably flat by now. If not, it's the Lord. Um, But but this was one year ago today, And, and then... For those of you who were, were here, you'll remember that the very next day, we had church in this room. We had moved from the Salvation Army basement. You guys remember the Salvation Army basement? Because of the arrangement being in the Salvation Army basement, we had no sound, we had no lights, and we had like fluorescent lights. It's the best kind of light. Uh, it's the most institutional. Um, we had no sound, we had no lights, we had no video, so we moved into this building And the first Sunday, how many of you remember, the first Sunday here, August 1st, we had no sound, no lights, and no video. You remember that? Jeff was like, he made me play without any sound. But we did this on purpose because what we wanted to remember on August 1st is that we moved into a giant building like this that's so beautiful with all kinds of possibility. What we wanted to remember is that at the base root of who we are, We can do this without any of the lights, without any of the video, without any of the sound, that what it is to be in a loving relationship with our Father requires none of the technological advancements. And so we we did this on purpose, and in this room it seemed a little bit ridiculous, quite honestly, um, because sound doesn't travel that well, especially when other people are singing. But we we did this, and for those of you who remember, I mean, most of you don't remember what I preached last week, um, let alone 364 days ago. But for those of you who remember, who were here, what I said is I called us to a commitment again to serve the Lord in this place, that we would recommit ourselves to be a body of people who give away the love of our Father, who experience the love of God and then give it away to the community. Do you remember that? Some of you are like, no. It's actually always been our purpose And we wanted to remember that this is, again, what we're doing in this building. That we're a people who exist for the sake of seeing the kingdom of God come fully and transform every space that we find ourselves in. And so that's what we committed to a year ago. And now here we are, one year later, in this building, and maybe uh, the timing is just, I don't know, maybe it's just happenstance, or maybe it's the Lord, but just this week, we committed to this space for another 15 years. This is home. This is home for the next 15 years. 
And, and there's a lot of stuff vision-wise that I want to share with you that I will in September and October, so you want to be here for that. But we're here for a purpose. And so it seems as though in this time, it's an appropriate time to remember again who we are and why we exist. What's the purpose for our existence? And the temptation that comes with a building like this, the temptation that comes is that we would become a destination and that we would begin to sort of like cater to ourselves and that we would we'd sort of like, well, you know, I don't really like that or I really like this. And we start to cater to ourselves. But I want to call us again against that temptation to be a people who are on God's mission. That everything that we do in this space is not for us, but it's for the sake of the kingdom in this world. The kingdom of God would come fully and transform the spaces we inhabit. See, the purpose God has always had for this church is the same as the purpose God has always had for his church throughout the centuries. This purpose is to be recipients, to be people who have experienced the radical love of God that we would have it on tap to give away, that we would actually be able to give this to the world around us. And it's a beautiful thing because it fits really neatly in this series that we've been in, in 1 John. And I told you that 1 John is a, a, a letter, more like a written sermon, that John writes to this group of house churches who've just undergone a church split. And, and the, the folks that left were, were these false teachers that John is trying to rebut all of their, their teaching, while at the same time he's trying to remind the people who are in the church who they are and who they're called to be. And so today I want to talk about uh, and call us back to the commitment to be a people who experience the love of God and extend it into the world. I'm calling today's message, Pipelines of God's Love. So would you guys pray with me, and then we'll look at Scripture. So Holy Spirit, we do just invite you to come in greater measure. Lord, and I do pray for all of those who right now are wrestling with COVID that are away because of it. God, that you would heal them. I pray for healing right now for all those who are in this church who are wrestling with COVID right now. God, I pray for all of those around who are wrestling with the after effects of COVID. And God, I do pray even for myself, Lord, that you would give me uh, the ability to breathe and speak well. God, that you would put in my mouth your words. And God, I pray that you would prick our hearts deeply to be people who are, who are captivated by your love, that we would give it away. But would you enable me to speak as I should, put power on this message in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can turn to 1 John chapter 4. Just bear with me. I've, so one of the things I've realized, some of you all have been Done, done this like already, I've realized now that I'm like n don't have COVID anymore, like it's really hard to catch your breath. I don't know. Some of you guys have, have wrestled with that. I, it's really hard to catch your breath. The other thing that I've noticed is that my heart goes just racing for no good reason. That's pretty weird. Um, so First John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, and here's what we read. 
Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And if you've been following along, you'll go, wait a minute, didn't Betty just preach this like two weeks ago? Some of you are like, I think I just heard this sermon. No, it seems like John is being repetitive. He's saying kind of the same thing, but he's saying it in a different way. And some commentators would say it's like walking out. You guys know the spiral staircases? Does, does anybody have one in your house? Anybody have a spiral staircase? You know that as you go up a spiral staircase, you sort of see the room, and as you progressively go up, you see it from different vantage points, right? There goes the fireplace, there goes the front door, there goes the thing on the wall, right? But you see it from different perspectives, and commentators would say that's what John is doing when he's talking about love, that he's showing it to us from different vantage points. And you know there's some things that uh, many people outside the church know the church for, right? Don't we have a reputation? Some of you who have friends who don't know Jesus know the reputation that we carry before we show up, don't you? And whatever you think the validity of that reputation is, for most of the people who are outside of the body of faith, it's not a very good reputation. Do you know that? Do you know that we're not traditionally known as a people marked by love? No matter what we want to say about ourselves, most of the world doesn't agree that we are a people of love. But that's exactly what John says should set us apart. That we are people who should be marked and known by love. And so how do we get there? How do we arrive at a place where we become known by our love? How do we become a people who are known by love? How does that work out? And we could come up with all kinds of ideas, right? We've got some of the most brilliant minds in Altoona right here, right? So if we just sort of like, we just sort of like get a whiteboard, we'll, we'll like, you guys spit out some ideas, I'll write them down, and we could come up with some really great ways to change the narrative such that we would be known as loving people, right? We could do that, certainly. I mean, you, I know you guys. You guys are smart. You guys are like very like go-getters, most of us, right? You guys have done some really interesting things in your lives. You know, some of you have started businesses. Some of you have, like, made lots and lots of money. You guys are, like, smart people. We could change the narrative, couldn't we? But John says that if we want to change the narrative, if we actually want to be a people who are known by our love, we don't start inside of ourselves. We don't start inside of ourselves. He says you start by understanding that God is love, that God is the source of love. Look at verse 7 again. It says, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. 
or at the end of verse 8, because God is love. Some of you know God is all kinds of other things, but the Bible never says that God is wrath. The Bible never says that God is anger. The Bible says over and over that God is love. That at the essence of who he is, is love, which means everything he does, up to and including judgment and exercising anger, is filtered through his love. God is love. Derek is not love. The way we change the narrative is not by starting with ourselves and coming up with our best ideas. The reason it's important to begin here is because since God is the source, God gets to decide what the definition is. How many times do we just sort of want to change the definition because we don't like the outcome, right? People don't think we're loving, so what we'll say is, see how much stuff we give away, we're loving. We don't like the definition, we want to make a different one. And so, we, you know, we can change the score, right? You've seen this. If we just count different things, eventually we get up over that line and now we're loving people, right? But God gets to decide. And here's what he says, verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. When God defines love, he doesn't define it as a warm feeling towards someone. As Betty said a couple weeks ago, he doesn't just define it as, as nice words spoken. When God defines love, it's a self-sacrifice for the good of someone else. And I can tell you that's not exactly an American value. How many of us want to lose all the time to be self-sacrificial for someone else? Not me, right? I want things to be fair, right? I want them to be equal, and yet God defines love as self-sacrifice for the benefit of someone else. And if we're honest, doesn't this go against the grain of our being? If we're really honest, like naturally speaking, I know you guys are all really, really redeemed, but try to remember what it was like before the Holy Spirit had completely possessed your body and you never do anything or think wrong, okay? You remember that like way back when, you know, back the minute that you were not saved? And think about it. Don't we naturally just want it, uh, we want to love something the way that we want to love something. We want to love someone the way we want to love them. We want to, to do something uh, or, or love someone in the way that we want to love them, right? So that it doesn't cost too much, right? Maybe that's just me. Personally, I don't like, I'm an Enneagram 5 so that says a whole lot about me. Those of you that understand Enneagram, those of you who don't, I just spoke in code, um, and everyone around you understands, and it's you that doesn't understand. Um, as an Enneagram 5, I don't like to waste time or energy, okay? I don't like to waste time or energy. So I naturally want love to happen incidentally to whatever I was already doing, Right? Don't you want it to just count when you do something you were supposed to do anyway? Right, that counts as love. I really wish Jerry would like it and, and receive it as love when I mow the grass. Because the grass keeps growing, 
she doesn't care about it at all. And so every time I mow the grass and come in, I'm like, see, I did this thing for you. She's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> I really wish she would receive mowing the grass as love. She doesn't. But I want it because I'm going to have to do it anyway, and it would be great if it would count, Right? I want to love people who love me, right? I want to love people that it's not hard to love. You know? You all. It's easy. You, just, you, all, you guys are so kind to me. And you say nice things to me all the time. And it's easy, right? So I want to love people who make it easy. I want to love people who are doing the same things I'm doing. Right? Don't you? Like, you just want to love people that are sort of on the way with you. Right? Like last night, we came over here to let Jeff in the building because he locked himself out. I didn't check that with you. <laughs> Jeff locked himself out of this building. So Evan and I came over here to rescue Jeff. Love you, man. <laughs> and in the one sense, that was a really hard act of love because I was not on the way <laughs> to opening this building. And in the other sense, it was easy for me to love Evan because he went along with me. Right? Don't we want to love people who are kind of doing the things we're doing anyway? But we don't really want to love those people who are contrary to us, do we? Like, have we watched that happen in our political landscape? If you're a Democrat, do you like to love Republicans? And if you're a Republican, do you like to love Democrats? Some of you chuckle, right? No way. We just don't have it on tap, do we? We don't have it on tap to love those people who are doing opposite things who don't receive it the right way, right? Don't they know I'm just trying to save the country? Why can't they just love me for that, right? We want to love people who are doing the things we're doing who make it easy for us, or at least I do. And maybe I'm the only one. <clears throat> and if I'm left to my own devices... If I'm left to my own devices when it comes to love, guess what I find out? And maybe you find this out too. Doesn't your love have limits? Like, isn't there an end to how much love you're willing to give? Like, if you come across somebody on the side of the road who's genuinely down and, you know, homeless and doesn't have a penny to their name, don't you sort of go, I can love you this much, but that's as far as it goes. And if they're like, can I, have, can I have a meal? Or can you put me up in a hotel somewhere? They're like, nope, that's too much. Right? Don't, doesn't our love naturally have limits? Like, how long are we going to actually love someone when it costs us? Like, at some point, doesn't our own love sort of, like, we sort of start feeling like we're going to run out of resource, don't we? I can't love you that much because i got to go take care of my family. Our love has limits. I've given enough, I've done enough, I've sacrificed enough, and if you don't know that I love you by now, well, then you're just never going to know, right? Isn't that our natural bend? We run out. And this is the way it works for everyone if they try to love on their own. If you try to love on your own, the grace runs out before the need is filled. If I'm not connected to God as, as my source, my grace for parenting my children runs out before the day runs out. Those of you who have kids know this, don't you? My grace to parent my kids whenever they're loud and obnoxious, if I don't have something extra, it runs out. 
my grace to care for my wife and love my wife, especially whenever she doesn't receive mowing as love, it runs out before the day runs out. Have you experienced this? Like if you try to love in your own power, it runs out. Not to mention loving my coworkers, my friends, and those around me. I find within me there's not enough love to meet the demands of the day. Have you found that? It runs out. And even if I manage to make it all the way through the day on my own source of love, the reality is it's not self-sacrificial, right? It's twisted. It's tainted, right? I'm going to do something for you so that you owe me. Makes me think of that Office episode where Dwight goes, you owe me. You owe me, right? You've seen, everybody's like, The Office. It's a TV show. You can watch it on Peacock. One of my favorites. Right? Isn't your own love tainted and twisted? Like, I will do something for you because I know then that obligates you to me somehow. If you search your own heart, you find these nasty things, don't you? And if you haven't found them, you haven't searched hard enough. My motivations are always twisted if they're not somehow filled with the presence of God. And I would guess many of you have the same experience, and the reason is because love doesn't come from us. We run out, and it's twisted because we're twisted, because sin has affected everything. And that the love we have to give really is just a dispensation of common grace because we were all created in the image of God, so we all have a little bit of love to give, but it's all just a little bit marred and a little bit gross, and it runs out pretty quick because it doesn't start with us. If we actually want to see the world around us change, we need something more than this. And John says we need to receive the love of God, the limitless source. I like that word, limitless limitless source of love. Look at verse 10. It says, This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We are never owners of God's love. We're not like the store where people can get it if we choose to sell it. The posture is we're always recipients. Every last one of us, we're a recipient of God's love. And this is important for us to keep in mind for a couple of reasons. The first reason is it should humble us. We don't stand over anyone else deciding whether or not they deserve it. Because we didn't deserve it. This quote sort of is attributed to a lot of different people, but really when it comes to God's love, we are one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. That's what we are. We have received and we found the source and we're just pointing someone else who needs it to the source. We're never owners. We're recipients dependent entirely on God's generosity. Do you know yourself that way? My Twitter, my Twitter profile, I've, I did this on purpose, not because I'm holy, mostly as a reminder to myself. My Twitter profile says, loved by God and giving that away. So before I put anything on Twitter, I have to remember, as angry as these people will make me and as I want to fix them all, I'm just loved by God and I'm trying to give that away. 
Do you know yourself as a recipient? The second reason we need to understand that we're recipients is because we can't give away love we haven't received. Do you know this? You can't give away what you haven't received. You sort of fake it for a minute, but everybody sees through that. If you haven't received it, you can't give it, which is important whenever you do ministry stuff, but it's important everywhere, right? Whatever love you need to do whatever you're called to do, you have to first receive it, which means when you find yourself in places where you haven't received love, you're going to be ineffective at best and dangerous at worst, right? Lots of people who would call themselves Christians find themselves in public debate on things that matter greatly, who have not received the grace that they need to give away. Have you received God's love? And in the midst of this, there's this phrase, and it's one of those phrases, you guys have heard me talk about this, you know how we use words in the church without defining them, and everybody thinks that we all are using the same definition, right? Have you guys seen this? Like the gospel is one of those words. Like if you poll people, like, what, do you, what, do you, what does the gospel mean? It's like a hundred different answers, right? Evangelism, what is evangelism? hundred different answers. This is another one. Atoning sacrifice. Probably most of you are like, oh, I, know, I think I know what that means. But if I gave you a microphone, you'd be like, mm, I'm not that confident yet, Right? Atoning sacrifice, the this reason this is so important, what it means is that God gave his son Jesus to remove our guilt. Some of you don't seem nearly excited enough about God gave his son Jesus to remove our guilt. How many of you live weighed down by guilt? Don't we? All the time, walking around, weighed down by guilt, feel really bad about all kinds of things. But do you know that God gave Jesus to remove guilt? You don't have to walk around weighed down by guilt. That's freedom. You don't have to walk around weighed down by guilt. It's a beautiful thing. And the reason it's important is because this opens the pathway to relationship with God. You haven't just received uh, the love of God once. You actually have a pathway to receive it over and over and over and over. And I messed up again. I need it again and again and again. Do you know that the removal of guilt makes relationship with the limitless source possible? Right? So that when you find yourselves in those places where you don't have enough love, guess what? You don't have to go, well, I guess I can't be effective here. You just go right back to the Father who loves you, and you say, I need some more, and he has more for you. That's a beautiful thing. And if you haven't grasped that, you have to grasp that. That the offer to you is removal of guilt. That you don't have to have a guilty conscience. This is important for what we're going to talk about next week. And all this makes it possible to receive the love that God intends for us to give away. Look again at verse 11. It says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. What John says is that because we have received the love of God, we're actually able to love others others 
self-sacrificially because we receive love from God continuously. We receive love from God continuously. And so then as we do things out of love for other people, as we go about giving it away, people begin to see God. Some people are like, well, I would believe in God if he would just write it in the sky. You know, if he really uh, existed, he would tell me. Do you know that's what you do when you give away the love of God to someone else? Is you're showing them that he's real and that his love is real. What that means is that to the degree God gives you grace, your love and serving people shows people that God's love is real. That we can't just sort of keep it for ourselves. We actually do give it away. So when you faithfully serve in kids' ministry, and you stand up there and you corral them and make sure they don't run out into the lobby, and you give them a little snack of goldfish, and you pass out little work papers, your faithful service is more than just filling a role on a Sunday. It's showing kids who are trying to discover it that the love of God is real. Even if you're not a kid's ministry person, right? Faithfulness and service shows the kids that God's love is real. So when you serve people faithfully on the hospitality team, there's a lot of you who have done that. You're not just making coffee and opening doors for people. You are doing that. But your service and your love toward people who come through the door and are saying, I'm going to give church and God one more try. I'm going to choose to disregard what I think about this, and I'm going to give it one more try. Your service shows them that the love of God is real. There's not an insignificant role whenever you are expressing the love of God to people. Do you know that? When you are the one who is faithful and serves the other ones at work, you show them that the love of God is real. You want people around you at work to see that God is real. You really wish they would come to faith. Do you know how that starts? Is that you love them. Even when they don't deserve it. Especially when they don't deserve it. And all of this, in the end, what it does is it may give you the opportunity to answer the question, why are you the way you are? Why are you the way you are? You're kind to me, and I'm a jerk to you every day. Why? But there's an even greater opportunity. I'm going to wrap it up with this. There's an even greater opportunity that comes having received the love of God. An even greater opportunity. And this is scary to a lot of us, especially if we've been hurt. You see, because we've received a love from God that removes our guilt, we get to give that away. When somebody hurts you and wounds you and offends you, and you get to remove their guilt that they owe nothing to you, it's called forgiveness. You see, the only thing that's going to transform the city that we live in, the only thing that's going to transform those spaces is that as an ambassador of the kingdom, you get to remove the guilt of people who aren't even asking for it. It's a Christ-like thing we get to do.
So often we've been hurt, we've been wronged, we've been wounded, and our inclination is to make sure that they get what they deserve, right? Don't we want people to get their just, I'm just be honest, that's what I want most of the time, right? Somebody says something hurtful to me, mischaracterizes what I've said or who I am, and I'm like, I just want you to pay, right? But when I've received the love of God, who has removed my guilt, I get the opportunity to say, I forgive you. And I'm going to take that wounding and I'm going to turn and deposit it at the cross. Do you know we don't win by powering over people? We win by going to the cross. We win by giving up our lives to Jesus. Do you know that? And if you want to see the world work differently, we as a people have to recommit ourselves to that that we would not just be recipients, but we would be conduits. We'd be pipelines of God's love. Do you know that? That's what I'm calling us to. I think it's what God is calling us to, is to be people who could receive the love of God that we would have it to give away. I think we could be those people. As far as God gives us grace, Thank you again for choosing the Vineyard Altoona podcast. We're so excited to see how God will release his kingdom in and through you today for the glory of Jesus Christ. With this, be blessed, and we'll see you next time.